guys. Welcome to Living Waters. Hi, Mike. <laughs> I'm Nisha. I'm the worship director here and part of our core team at Living Waters. And I've officially been in Medford for five years as of like two weeks ago. Woo! So fun. This place is completely family and home to me. Um, so I'm, I have the wonderful privilege of getting to share, and I'm so excited. Thank you so much to our team, just the way that Ryan and Kate and our team has empowered other voices and pulled up and called up leaders. I've actually known Ryan and Kate since I was 15, and it's crazy just to be here now and be a part of this growing team. So I'm so thankful and feel very honored to get to share with you today. Really quick, middle schoolers, if you would go back to the back, if you're in middle school, Andy is waiting for you back in the youth room. Also, I just wanted to give a quick plug. So I don't know how many of you in the room have heard of Drop Gym, but it's a women's gym. Anybody? <laughs> Drop Gym, represent. Um, it's a women's gym uh, run by Lou Crenshaw and Chantel Dayton. They're part of our church. They're here just this morning for our first gathering. And uh, we actually just finished a whole program with them this week. I was in it. It radically changed my life. I'm still unpacking the pieces of what God did in my heart, mind, and body. It was incredible. But I just want to throw this out there. This weekend, we have a ladies' event um, with them. It's called Shift. It's a two-day thing. It's a Friday night and Saturday day this weekend. There's still spots open. And I just want to call our women in our church to it. If you've been a part of it before or you've never been a part of it and you want to step into more freedom and growth as a woman, I just want to encourage you to sign up. It is a life-changing experience. Honestly, if I had known this existed when I was like 18, my whole life would have changed. I'm 31 now. But there, there's so much power that they're imparting that these women have access to understanding of trauma in the body, of our hearts, of our minds, and who we are in Jesus. And also what's special about this shift is this one is specifically for the church. So we get to talk about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the whole event is going to be infused just with the Spirit of God. And the, everything they do is infused with the Spirit of God anyway in their gym, but they also have created it to be a missional place where they get to to lead and coach women who aren't necessarily believers. So that's a lot of what they, what they do at the gym. But this weekend specifically, it is for our church community. So if you have a friend, someone that you're thinking of that you're like, I think a woman I know would love that, just text them today, invite them. All right, we're just gonna keep rolling. So this morning, uh, I wanna talk to you guys about the true self and about identity. I'm so excited to get to dive into this. Identity is one of my favorite topics in the whole world. And if you guys have heard this, um, this term, the true self, it's, it's common knowledge in psychology. There's a lot of different views on it, but essentially it's our identity. It's the core part of who we are. When we think about our deepest, most true identity. The true self is the unhindered self. It's the part of us that was the original God idea. It's the self that refers to a sense of self based on authentic experience, where at the core we feel truly present and most alive. So that's pre all of the things we took on as children, right? In order to be loved. That's pre all the ways that we learned to behave to make sure that we were okay. That is our truest self. Our false self is a defensive facade behind which the person can feel empty. It's behaviors being learnt and controlled rather than spontaneous and genuine. Think about that, that's so good. So it's when we have learned behavior that we are like, we've been controlled or our environment or something we have learned, oh, well, I won't be loved unless I do this, right? We've all done this. I, who is on this journey still? I am massively, hello, of unpacking the layers. Ryan talked last week a little bit about this. He mentioned identity and ways that we get our identity in other things, external sources. My dear friend, Vanessa likes to call it outsourcing and insourcing. <laughs> and I am stealing those words because they're so good. The outsourcing versus insourcing. True self is insourcing. A 
like I said, our true self is the original God idea where no outsourcing identifies us. It's less of grasping for who we are and it's more like sinking into who we have always been. When we're talking about true self, we can't talk about it without acknowledging origin, where we come from, how we begin. So all of us began first, obviously, as a, heart, a God idea, as something that he desired. He desired for you to exist. He desired to know you. He desired for you to be on this planet. He created you as a dream first, right? That's your origin. That's where your true self is, is actually founded. And then we come into the earth, right? Boom, we're in our mom's womb. I don't understand all of how our spirit and all of that works, but that we know even from psychology that those first moments and hours and months of being in our mom's womb, we actually start forming early childhood attachment. So this word attachment essentially means the secure base of love that our identity forms from. So does everyone understand when I say attachment? I'm talking about that secure base of love and our ability to connect that is formed with our parents. And it actually starts forming in the womb, which is incredible. It happens with our mom primarily, and then it also happens with our father later. If you have want to know more about attachment, there's lots of people in this room who could teach it a lot more in depth and more powerfully than me. But for today, we need to have that little bit of understanding. You can always talk to Thomas Perkins later. He's an awesome in-house counselor and many other people. So when we're talking about attachment, we have... What? Read the book, Attached, by the way. It's amazing. Just throwing that out there. It's a great, great one. You can write it down. So when we're talking about true self, we have to look at attachment and how we originally heard love, how we originally experienced our caretakers was for all of us, whether we know it or not, it was the lens that we put on God. It was the lens that we saw God through. Ryan's gonna talk about that more next week. He's gonna hit mother and father kind of core wounds. But for today, I just want us to even be thinking of that as we're talking about the true self. It all started somewhere. We don't think about God. You know, some of us have felt like God is distant. Some of us might see God as really weak. Some of us might see God as like super jovial and wonderful. A lot of it is experience that we've had with a parent or an authority figure that is ingrained in us. And it's like a filter that we see God through in everything. And so much so that we're not even aware of it, honestly. And so I would just say, even as we're talking this morning about true self, start inviting that question of like, Lord, are there ways that I have just never noticed I saw you this way? Like, have you ever been in a house or maybe a work environment for so long and then suddenly you notice something on the wall and you're like, has that always been there? Has that piece of furniture always been there? And everyone's like, yeah. And you're like, no, 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 I never saw that before because it's just so normal in a part of the room and I just never noticed it. And then you suddenly, you guys know what I'm talking about? Has that only happened to me? Where you're suddenly like, wow, that's so, I didn't even know that was there. That is the same thing with our filters of God where they're so in the background, we don't even see them until he shows us. And so today I'm just praying as we talk and as we even practice later, that he would just be unveiling places where Maybe we have a cap on who he is. Many of us need our voice of a mother and father to be redefined. We need to reattach. And so even as the last couple of weeks we've been doing these activations and these practices where we've just had time and space to do a prompt or to engage God, that is literally repracticing attachment. What we originally needed from our moms and dads but we are now doing it with the Lord. And for so many of us, like for me, that is an ongoing journey. I shared my story with you guys uh, on Father's Day. Some of you heard of it. Some of you heard of it. Some of you heard of it. Wow. Redo. <laughs> Ryan's laughing because he knows this moment where your brain gets on a track and it's like, my mind's moving faster than my mouth. <sighs> some of you may have been there that day, but some of you don't know. And 
And so just to throw that out there, I've been on a journey for years and years of relearning the Father's kindness, of relearning the Father's voice, of reconnecting and attaching to a source of love that is so much greater than any human love. And I needed that. There was a lot of lack and abuse in my life as a child. And so there was a need for a new version of God. So I'm right there with you. And if you struggle with feeling connected to God, if you struggle with experiencing God, I just want to say like, you are not alone. And this is something you can learn. For so many of us, we don't hear God on the regular because we actually still have those filters of family stuff, filtering it out. And I, I, that is my story too. And so I just want to say like, there's so much hope. The way that I experience the Lord now, you, if you told me that when I was a kid, I never would have believed you. This is a muscle. It's just, it takes practicing, just like anything else does. It takes practicing and tuning into him. And if that is you, and even if you're here and you're like, I have an awesome sense of attachment and identity, amazing. Guess what? There's more. If you come from a shattered lineage, maybe you don't even know who your birth parents are. Maybe you do. But you have been invited to a table, a table that is fully set with everything you could ever need at it. Every source of love, every longing. That table you were invited to by Jesus. You were invited to a table. Romans 8, 14 through 15. I love this. It's, this is the verse where it says the spirit in you cries out, the spirit that we've received. I'm just gonna read it. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves to religion so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that same spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is daddy. It's the most intimate word we could say to the Lord. When Jesus called God Abba, it was so offensive, so controversial. It split the Pharisees and Sadducees in half. They were like, you cannot call God that. That is way too intimate. And yet Jesus was like, I am the perfect representation of what God with man looks like. Therefore, let's call him daddy. Because that's what he always intended. We're coming back to the origin. We were always part of a family and we've always had a seat at this table. I wanna read this. This is um, actually the message version, but it is so powerful. It's the same verse, Romans 8, 15 through 17. Listen to this. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Amen. We were seated at a table I, when I was preparing for this and praying over you guys, I just saw the picture of this banqueting table with everything, every source laid out on it for us. And I saw this picture of some of us, and this has been me many times in moments. And I know, we know this, right? Healing and wholeness is a continual reality. It's a continual onion layer peeling <laughs> of more and more closeness, more and more true self. So there have been these moments in my life, and I feel like there's, this is for us here too, where we're invited to take our seat at the table. And instead of sitting in it, we're like standing guard around it. And everyone else may be around us or some people around us are maybe sitting in their seat and we're like comparing ourselves with them or we're actually hovering around the seat going, this is my seat, this is my seat. This is, this is my seat, this is mine. Just so you know, I'm sitting here later, just not right now, <sighs> but I'm coming back. So just don't sit in it. And it's so, it's funny because if you think about it and you actually just take the chair and sit in it, 
no one is going to take that chair. And actually no one can take that chair because it's literally made and molded perfectly for you and no one else. There's no one else at the family table of God who can fill your seat. Nobody. You're irreplaceable, invaluable, priceless, precious. So as we're continuing this morning, I just want to invite us to like sink into our seat in your physical chair, but in your heart, in the seat of your heart, your true self. What would it look like if we sank in to this is my spot? And what is it? And let's explore it. What are, what are the goodies that I can reach at, from this seat? What are the things that are closest to me on the table that are available to only me in a very unique way? If you think about the spread on the table, what are the things that only I can grab? Does that make sense? I love what A.W. Tozer says, and we say this all the time, so I just want to like say it together if you know it. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's a core belief here at Living Waters. We love that quote because it's true. What we believe about God is the bedrock of everything. False beliefs about God lead us to believe lies about ourselves. We are his image bearers, right? So what we believe he's like, we reflect. So think about this in Genesis 1. How did the serpent first deceive Adam and Eve? In the very, very, very beginning, where was the first false, like false self? Where did it come in? Well, they were in the garden and the serpent said, did God really say you must eat? You must not eat from any tree in the garden? questioning what God said to them, right? They had access to everything at this point. They had deep communion with God, with each other, authority over the whole earth, other the animals. There was oneness, fulfillment, communion. It was everything. They had it all. They had that original true self. And then the serpent came and he can't actually, he has no power, zero power. The enemy, if you think he has power, you're believing his lie. He, he doesn't actually have power unless you give it to him unless you give away your own power. So in this moment, this is, he does this little trickery and says, well, did God really say that? You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Whoa, so there's two lies from the very, very, very original lie that I want us to look at. Number one, the first thing that the serpent said to them was essentially... God really say that you can't do that? Well, actually, he knows that if you do that, you're going to become all-powerful and all-knowing. So he says to them, God actually isn't trustworthy. God is holding out on you. So the serpent plants a lie about the nature of God. He's holding out on you. He's not actually giving you everything. So then what immediately comes? Doubt about self Oh, we don't have it. Oh, we don't have it enough. There's more that we should have. We should reach and grab this thing, this fruit. So then the second lie we believe is that we're not enough or there's something outside of us, something external that we need to grab to know who we are. That's the ego, right? We talk about this in psychology too. Or the false self. It's the part of us that we grab onto identities, externalizing, outsourcing rather than insourcing. When you believe a lie about God first, it always leads to a lie about you. So a couple examples. Let's say that you are hitting, and this is just an example. It could manifest multiple ways for different people. But say you are needing to make a financial decision and if deep down you don't trust the Lord and you don't feel like he's actually a good provider, maybe you never experienced that. Maybe you came from a family where that wasn't, Reality. So you haven't actually learned to believe that God has all the resources for you. If that's true, then you might step into fear and anxiety about, well, what do I do with this financial decision? Or maybe I won't ever have enough. And it will become panic and anxiety about not having enough, right? So it will affect your behavior. But it comes from a much deeper place, which is essentially... I don't think God's on my team in the practical details of life. Right? Here's another one. 
in ministry, I think we do this a lot. This was one the Lord spoke to me in my early 20s when I was a young leader. And he was like, wow, you look tired. You look really busy and really tired. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm like, I, all these people have so many needs. And he was like, Nisha, do you believe that I'm reliable and trustworthy and that I will come through for them? Do you believe that I'm, I like keep my side of the relationship up and will come to them? Or do you just believe that you have to do it? And I was like, what? How did I not see that? Like this entire time I've been believing and it's, why is that? Well, I had an absent father. I didn't actually see a father show up and be present. So therefore, the belief that was very easy for me to believe, the furniture in the background of my office that I never saw, was God isn't coming through for other people. So therefore, I have to come through for everyone. Ugh, how many of us believe that lie? Yes, let's get free today. Let's just exchange. I love what Bill Johnson says. I can't afford to have a thought in my mind about myself that isn't in God's. Who you believe that you are is the direct outplay of who you think God is. What you do, your behavior, that's the direct outplay of who you believe you are. Do you see how they're linked? Who are you? Who is your true self? I want to ask you that question. Have you seen your true self? Have you ever seen him or her come out for a moment? Can you think of a moment where you felt like your true self? I think some of us maybe have never felt that feeling because we've had guards up. We felt like we have to always come with something to prove, something to show. Or maybe deep down we feel so unworthy at some level. We're always trying to make up for it. Just me? Other people too? Great. <laughs> I love The Lion King, that movie, you know? Thank you, Jesus, for the Lion King. <laughs> Teaches me so much about God. There's this moment where Simba runs away into the land of no worries, right? If you haven't seen the movie, please go watch it. It will teach you so much about the Lord. Has anyone, well, I won't make you, but has everyone, have most of you seen that movie? Can I see your hands? Most of you seen the movie? Great. If you haven't, go watch it. So there's this moment, Simba's off in the land of no worries, living his dream life, but he's also ignoring his destiny and his identity and doesn't want to remember who he is. And basically he gets hit over the head by Rafiki, which is how a lot of us come back to true self is we get hit over the head by life. We get knocked out and we're like, whoa, why, what's going on? Why am I here? What, what, who am I really? And there's this moment where Simba goes into the field and he's angry at his dad. He's angry at Mufasa because his dad died. And Mufasa's face appears in the clouds. And he says, Simba, remember who you are. <laughs> I could say that a lot better in that low James Earl Jones voice right after shift a few days ago. <laughs> 10 octaves lower after all that yelling. It was great. It was so freeing. Uh, so that voice comes to him and it's like a remember who you are moment. So I want us to start remembering who we are again today. It's not so much a trying to go out there and find who we are. It's a remembering. It's a sinking in. So take, some, take a moment right now, and I want you to think of things the Lord has called you. Maybe it was a scripture you read, and it burned in your heart when you read it, and you were like, oh, that feels like it's for me very personally. Think of maybe songs that have spoken to you in the past where you were like listening on the radio and it suddenly like gripped you and you were like, this, these words are for me. I'm, I'm not talking about affirmations from other people or God that are like, what you do is great or the way that you do something or external realities. I'm talking about the core of who you are, your person. What has he said about your person? So just start thinking of those. I want to read a couple of mine over you. And I believe they're for you as well because they're in the Bible. <laughs> Jeremiah 1, I've chosen you. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. In Isaiah 49, 14 through 16, this is spoken to the nation of Israel in the context, but it, it reveals the nature and care of God for us so individually. As he pursued Israel, he's pursuing you. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the son of her womb? Even if she could forget, I will not forget you. Behold, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You are literally written on his hands. Early on in my journey with reattaching to the Lord and to the security of love with Jesus, I was practicing just meditating on his love and his voice, right? Because I needed to. I needed to relearn how he sounded and how he interacted with me. And I listened to this recording called Inheritance by Graham Cook. And if any of you have heard it, it's Graham Cook with Jonathan Helser, and it's at this conference. It's this beautiful little moment that got recorded. And if you haven't, excuse me, heard it, I really encourage you to go listen to it. Inheritance by Graham Cook. And in this, he says, he loves you. He's talking about the Lord to you. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Because that is what he is like. It's your job description to be loved. You are the beloved. And in that season, I would just meditate on that every morning. I would listen to it over and over and over because this reality of being called the beloved wrecked me and resonated with me where I realized beloved in the very name he gave me personally is actually my identity and what I am to do. Just like in Israeli culture where they would name people based on their future, right? based on their destiny, based on their call, based on who they were. They were given new names at very strategic, significant times. And the Lord called me beloved personally and I heard his voice say that. I was like, oh, my job is to be loved. And that's all of our invitation. And I wanna ask you, what would you look like if you lived out of that reality of knowing you were that loved? I don't know if you've ever seen a person who is, knows how much they're loved and what flows out of their life, but it's not like they're trying so hard. <laughs> it's pretty effortless. Like dreams are coming out new ideas, they're helping people and pouring out, not because they're like trying to do all this frantically, but they're like, I am so loved, I have so much. Like here, I, and this too. I've had moments of that in my life where I've lived that reality for a moment and it was so powerful. I think of Mercy Rodin when I think of this, Ryan and Kate's little girl, cause she's six and she knows that she is loved. And for me, it's been very healing to have an external source where I can watch a little girl know how loved she is and that literally there's nothing that she could ask for that would be denied her. Like what if we actually believe that about ourselves? With God, when we approached him, what if we came as like, I'm, she comes in the room, she owns the freaking room, right? She bosses her brothers around. Sorry if Kellen's in here. <laughs> but that is what it feels like to know you're loved and know you're safe to know you have a seat at the table yeah to be our true selves takes tremendous courage and confidence in our belovedness our bond with God is the bedrock of all boldness mm. Our bond with God is the bedrock of all boldness. And I want to say to you, you are the living, breathing manifestation of the glory of God on earth. You simply being the beloved, knowing you're loved, calls all of creation into being, into what it's meant to be. In Romans 8, 19, it says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. One other translation says, they groan, they yearn, they seek 
for God to reveal who his children really are, for that true self. All of creation is waiting for you to be your true self. I want to invite the worship team back up. Wherever they are, they're going to make their way. I mentioned how in Jewish culture, the name changes and a name change bestowed identity. You can think of a lot of examples, Simon to Peter, right? Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul, Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. In Revelation 2.17, it says this. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. I have a new name for you, he says to you. Do you know what that is? Have you heard that name? Have you heard him speak something really specific to you for this season? There was a moment for me in my story where this hit so hard. I was, I think I was 18. I had just moved to Brisbane, Australia to do a discipleship school with Youth of the Mission, a really large missions organization. And one of our speakers, we had this week on identity and one of our speakers said, you're gonna hear God's voice today. And this was in that season of learning to tune in and understand God. And he said, I want you to go ask the Lord, what is a special name that he calls just you? Something for just you and him. So I was so excited. And that faith feeling kind of bubbled up in me where I was like, God's gonna talk to me. But also nervous, like what if he doesn't talk to me? You know, like a lot of us feel on a daily basis. So I ran down the stairs of my campus out into the jungly Brisbane garden. And I laid underneath this jacaranda tree. It was this huge tree with all these purple blossoms and gnarly arms. And I'm there and I'm just like so expectant. I'm like, okay, I don't really know how this works, God. We don't do this a lot. I always feel you and like, I feel your presence, but I don't really talk to you this way. So I really hope you're gonna show up. And so I ask him like, God, who do you say that I am? Who do you call me to be? Just like, remember last week, Ryan had us ask that question, God, who do you say that I am? And I started seeing this moving picture. And it was like all of the women that I looked up to in my life in fiction and in movies, they lined up. And I was like, oh, am I this girl? And it was like, you know, Joan of Arc or whatever. And God was, Jesus was standing next to me. And this is all in a kind of a vision happening in my mind with my eyes closed. And Jesus is smiling and he just nods his head and he's like, keep walking. And I'm like, okay. And then we go to the next one. It's like Arwen from Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, oh, yes, this has got to be it. Everyone wants to be Arwen. <laughs> and he's like, he smiles and he's like, yeah, these are like pieces. These are like reflections, pieces of you. This isn't you. It's not your truest self. So he's like, walks, he's walking me down. I go through all, literally guys, like 12 characters that I had found. Joe March from Little Women. All the powerful women in the room are like, hey. <laughs> and... As this is happening, I get to the end of the line and there's literally nothing there anymore. And I'm with Jesus and I'm like, Jesus, what the heck? Like, we're at the end of the line. Who, who, like, are you gonna tell me something? And he just smiles and he kind of, with his eyes, looks down, like points down. And I, like, at the end of this line, and I, I'm like, oh, look down. And I look down and there's this little wee little girl and she's blonde. She looks just like me as a little girl. She's so precious. And the Lord just whispers, Lucy. And I just break into sobs. And I'm like, because Chronicles Narnia, C.S. Lewis's version, Chronicles Narnia, his, his writing, that affected me so much as a child. And I saw that little girl and I was like, but she looked like me, you know, it was actually me. And he was like, that's actually what I want to say to your heart is that you're Lucy that you'll go through the wardrobe. And you don't have to be all these big, strong, beautiful things. You can just be this little girl and that's enough. You guys can start playing if you want to. 
So I share that story with you guys because that moment changed my entire life, hearing a name that the Lord spoke over me. And it has shifted. There have been seasons where the name has changed and he's given me something else because I needed it for that season. Some of us may be wrestling with the idea of hearing God and we're about to go into a practice to seal this time, to practice this with our hearts, to practice basking in the belovedness and to hear the Lord's voice over us. And some of us really struggle with this. And I, I wanna speak to those of you, if you, you may be one that's like, I can't hear God. I'm in a wrestle with God right now. And I don't know, I know a few weeks ago, our team spoke about Jacob wrestling with God. And if you remember, Jacob wrestled all night long and in his wrestle, he was given a new name. And I wanna say, if you're in a wrestle with God and you're like, I can't really hear him and there's not all this wonderful, moody connection with him, but I'm like not really hearing much, that is 100% okay. And actually it's in the wrestle that you're gonna know him and yourself much better. I had the incredible privilege of wrestling with a martial artist this week who is very skilled. And if you've ever wrestled with a skilled martial artist, they know they are so, they could kill you in an instant, but they are so kind and gentle. Even if you're freaking out and flailing, they're like gonna make sure that you fall well, right? That is wrestling with God. And when you're in a wrestle with him, you're up close and you can actually feel parts of him you've never felt before. You can hear parts of his voice, his heartbeat through his body. You can feel his hands, his grip. And in that tension, you see both his strength and his gentleness, his magnitude and his compassion. In the wrestle, you actually get more contact with God. There might not be as many words, but you're learning just as, just as much about your father and yourself if you let it. So for those of you today that are like, all I can do is just be here and be in the wrestle with him. Just get in the headlock with him, okay? There's no pressure. Just get in the headlock with him. If that's what you, if you need to cry it out, yell it out, let it out, this is a safe place. You are beloved. You are beloved. How precious are your thoughts towards me? How vast is the sum of them? What if we woke up every day just dousing ourselves in that love, that affirmation, that affection? I need it every day. It doesn't just recycle the next day. I need it new every morning. So I wanna just lead us in a, in a moment. And I felt like the Lord called this a still waters moment. You're welcome to close your eyes if you want to. Just take some deep breaths with me. We're just gonna take a moment to connect with God, to see our true selves. And I want you to imagine, this was like the olden days before, before mirrors. Say you were tired from a long day's work and you had armor on, you're part of an army, you walk down to the river, you walk down to the lakeside. And if you wanted to wash up, you would like get low on the ground. You'd take off all your armor first. You'd wipe and wash your face with the water. And then if you wanted to see how you looked, you'd bend far over the water, maybe get down on your knees. And in order to see your face, because again, no mirrors, you would have to wait for the water to settle and for it to get very still. And then you'd be able to see yourself. That is what connection with God is. It's a still water moment where we get low, we get vulnerable. We take all of the heavy stuff off. We take the self, false self off. We take the facades and the masks off. We get down on our knees in a vulnerable position where actually we are susceptible. We're not covering our backs. We're looking over, peering over the side of that lake or that shoreline into the water, asking to see, who am I? Who is my true self? And it takes stillness to do that. Be still and know that I am God. 
Again, guys, we're practicing this every week because it takes building a muscle, growing our capacity for connection with God in order to overcome daily life. So let's practice this. A couple weeks ago, we did a positive memory. If you were here for that and you encountered Jesus, I want you to go back to that positive memory. Or if you weren't here, I just want you to imagine yourself at that shoreline, washed off, looking over, peering into the water, into the still water with God. And I want you just to ask him, Lord, would you show me my true self? What do you call me? You're welcome to write this down in your phone or your journal if you wanna come back to it as well. Lord, show me my true self. What do you call me? Is there a special name you're calling me right now wanting to remind me of my truest identity? Just wanna take a few minutes and as the team just plays and sings over you, I want you to just connect with the Lord. Let the stillness and space let the water get clear. And if the waters are really rough for you today, that's okay. Just come back to the still place. Some of you, this might hit you later in the week. It might be out in nature, it might be on a car ride, but I just want us to make space right now. So Lord, and again, let's use that, let's practice using our imagination. It's, it's, it's a place that the Lord actually meets us if we let it. It's a part of stepping into the mind of Christ. So we're leaning over that shoreline, looking into that still water. Lord, what do you wanna show us? I wanna see my true self. What does he look like? What does she look like? free to take out a journal or, or your phone, write down if you're seeing anything, if you're sensing anything. Pay attention even to how your body feels. Sometimes it's just the really tiny little ways that he comes and meets us. He'll meet you wherever you're at. You don't have to work hard for this. He's just going to come in the way that you need to be met. And if you're seeing something negative when you look in that reflection, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you say about this negative thing that came up? Listen if there's a word that he wants to speak over that place to replace with truthful identity.
are invaluable. You are priceless. You are irreplaceable to me. This is what the Lord is saying over some of your hearts. If you heard something, I just encourage you to write it down or just keep experiencing it if he's still talking to you right now. But I felt like as I was praying that there were some specific words the Lord had for people. And I don't know who these are for, but I'm just gonna list them out. And if there's one that just grabs your heart, I just want you to grab it. Like take it as this is what he's saying over you today. This just came out of prayer for you guys. So I heard him say, you are grace and balance with truth on display. Somebody take that one. You are clean and pure. That's for someone. Over someone else, he says, you are my whole one. You are whole. There's no incompleteness in you. For someone else, he says, I call you stable. I call you sound fortress. For someone else, I hear him saying, you are exactly the right amount. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for these truths of our identity. For someone else, he says, he calls you my brick layer. My brick layer. I don't know if that's practical or in the spirit or in the emotional world, but you're a bricklayer. <laughs> these might be for people online watching later, who even knows? If one of these was for you, you should come tell me at some point. I heard him say to someone, ready for another adventure? And he asked it with this excited puppy <laughs> kind of face. It was awesome. He was yeah, like, yeah, I'm ready, yeah. <laughs> for someone else, I heard him say, you are my adventurer. And another, he said, you are my storehouse. I heard Jesus call someone else, you are my generous one, full of robust love. <laughs> I heard him say, you are an accountant of grace for me. And still for another, I heard him say, you are a healer with words. I think there's a lot of those in this room. You're a healer with words. Just a couple more. I heard him say, you are shielded in hope. What does that mean to be shielded in hope? hope that's so big and broad and encompassing that it can protect us from everything, from disappointment. Shielded in hope means we don't have to self-protect. We can dream big dreams. I heard him say to someone, you are forgiven completely. Chosen just like that song Kira sang over us. That was so beautiful. It's the Father's heart for us that you are my chosen. Come to the waters. See my love and affection, my choice of you. And lastly, I heard him say this over you. I always find you in a room. I always find you in a room. You know, when, if you've ever loved someone, you walk into a room and you like look for, the, for their eyes because you feel like stable and safe and loved. That's what the Lord's saying over you. I always find you in a room. I wanna promise you guys something. I know that I can promise this because it's Jesus' promise to you. Go and be loved. And if that is all you spend your life learning to embody, I promise you, your life will be one of impact and of great influence. The natural overflow of being loved is to pour out love on others. In your relationships, creativity, innovation, in service, 
dreams, work, how you show up for your family and the world. You can't help it. Living fully alive is a byproduct of being loved. That's where our true self starts. So today, Jesus, thank you so much for the revelation of your truth and your goodness and your love and your true self that you're calling us all back to. I pray that if there's been places we've been hiding, that those veils would fall off. That we would see you clearly, just like it says in 2 Corinthians, that we would see you not as in a mirror. It would be seeing you as in a mirror, the reflection of you, that we look just like you without a veil. I pray, Lord, that people would see themselves clearly today and that we'd walk away with a deeper understanding of our true selves. In Jesus' name. You guys are absolutely welcome to go grab your kids. Please do that if you have kids waiting. We are gonna facilitate some more time in here for people to respond. So the worship team is gonna lead us in a song. So I would just ask that if you're wanting to come.